to be continued, a fanboy podcast. Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch us on the various platforms such as iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and to be continued, a fanboypodcast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. To be continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that. We may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. back. This is to be continued a fanboy podcast covering your fanboy passions. You may not learn anything, but if you stick around, you just might have some fun. Hey, Orson, are we going to have some fun today? Oh. <laughs> we'll the get to French, what that... <laughs> the French champagne has always been celebrated. <laughs> In California, they make this wine by Parmesan. <laughs> She, she say anything? I'm tapping in the bottle. I'm still tapping in the bottle. <laughs> um, welcome to be to be continued a fanboy podcast. You already uh, said that. I already did way. say that. Uh, uh, that was Ed did, going on about his current obsession, which is uh, the current obsession videos of Orson Welles drunk. <laughs> the current obsession is a YouTube that Miguel had sent me, and it was. Basically, you can go, you folks, you can go ahead and just YouTube this. It's just type in Orson Welles drunk and really literally is an Orson, an, uh, uh, an elder behind Orson the scenes, Welles. Behind the scenes of uh, one of his commercials, the way he was a big pitch man uh, yeah, you know, late is, in his career, and he's <laughs> drunk, obviously, on product. <laughs> on power. And he's pushing, <laughs> he's he's shilling for Parmesan champagne. And, in, in a way, John, John, Jonathan Vergara, the owner and operator of Pancake Studios. That's me. Uh, in a way, John, you're not wrong. He was drunk on power because, let's be honest, Orson Welles shows up for a commercial. <laughs> That director, whoever is directing that day, has lost all control. He has no control. There's nothing. He, he can't tell. He, the dude who just did Chuck Wagon the week before <laughs> cannot tell Orson Welles, the director of <laughs> the greatest film of all time, what to do on set. So it, it was a lose-lose process. It's a study on, on how, and at the time, again, this is an elder uh, shilled out. Orson Welles, and he's been doing it for a while. That's a right? nice you know? way of putting it. You mean burnt out, washed out? One of the well, <laughs> but not mean. dried out. <laughs> well, no, I don't know about washed out. I mean, Orson Welles, who even we who said the great one of the greatest. Directors yes, yes, but even ever. we said he had not done anything in a while, in a very, in a very long time <laughs> directing. The wind of Tracy or whatever. You know, uh, well, you know, well, you, that you never came out, but it came out recently on, on Netflix. Oh, on Netflix, on Netflix, right, exactly. 2018. Now, see. I want to go into the 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 the, the tangent oh. that came off of that. The tidy bowl man. <laughs> son of a bitch, the tidy bowl man. <laughs> so back, if you like me and Miguel grew up in the seventies, well, you no, no, remember- no, you know, we were we were born in the seventies, and the commercials we watched were uh, you know late seventies <laughs> all through the eighties, and there was a, a, a unlike today where you kind of kind of put out almost new material for commercials every mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. We would get commercials that would you'd see for a few years at a time, and I, I pointed out to Ed because we, we were talking about <laughs> Orson like, Welles. Do you he was remember doing Ed? all the miniatures that there was an obsession <laughs> with 
miniaturized people or pitchmen. Do you remember just- the Tidy Bowl Man? Of course, I remember the Tidy Bowl Man. <laughs> Who doesn't remember Tidy Bowl Man? No, right. I, I haven't seen. And I said, and we were on the phone when, when this discussion happened, and I'm like, I haven't seen a Tidy Bowl Man commercial in like easy three decades, right? And I'm 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 watching it. I'm like, dear God, you know, it's a guy who's in a, and I described it as such. This guy's wearing a Captain and Tennille right, right, yacht, is, yachting, like, yachting hat. To, to put further context, it's sort of just remember whatever uh, Thurgood Howell used to often wear <laughs> on Gilligan's Island. That those are the, Again, that's sort of like- Miniaturized. Mer- m- m- Miniaturized. Yeah, exactly. A, he basically was like a younger Thurston Howell. <laughs> maybe we've come, maybe we have stumbled across the Thurston Howell origin story. I want to say he looked like uh, uh, Steve Trevor- in that Wonder Woman TV show, yeah, he was yes, very much right. in like this like square jaw, this 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 like and with the yachting hat and like this double breasted <laughs> like coat, and <laughs> and and what was Mister Tidy Bowl's job? Well, he lived in your toilet, <laughs> and his job was yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, no, John, okay. John doesn't know. Tidy Bowl Man was this like it was a it's a product for your toilet, right? It's it's um those one of those um uh, cl- drop in cleaners, right. drop in cl- tank oh, cleaners. Didn't Dave Chappelle do a spinoff of that with the Wu Tang? Oh, did he? Remember, Possibly. Ooh, remember they were in the they were in the toilet. And uh, like, okay, okay. The white girl and. <laughs> Possibly, uh, I actually, you know what? Got it from that. And and well, and again, so tidy bowl. That was what it was. It was like you drop into your tank, whatever. And then the and the advertisement was this (laughs) this little guy who looked like again like a young Thurston Howell the third in a little motorboat in your. And it was like it was like it was like hey tidy bowl man. And I'm thinking about it like okay, as a kid you're going so he's just in there. He's just he just sits in there in his motorboat. As we just rain shit right down on them. So, so, so I'm imagining that the madmen's of their day, they're pitching this, right? And it's like, so, Roger, this is what I've got, this idea. Elegance. Elegance. I'm thinking, I'm thinking toilet reservoir. You know, the thing where you open up and that's where the water is right before you, where you flush. Well, they have the, they have the, they already have the product. You've it's got like, the ladder. The ladder. Is that hanging. was Ed could not. He could. No, there's a ladder it. that's hanging. No. He watched the commercial and he was like, "There's, there's a ladder a- that's hanging off of the the, At the one reservoir." Point, the tidy bowl man has to like dock <laughs> into this and, small little boat and like and get off onto this little miniature ladder. And thing Roger that's on, and I'm going like again. So like Ed was Ed said they're putting a lot of like thought into how realistically <laughs> the tidy bowl man exists in this universe. Ah, so uh, so Draper, what are you saying? That uh, so who, who is he talking to? He's talking to uh, the mother of the household. <laughs> That's who he's talking to. A woman. A woman. Alone, <laughs> with no other man in her life, but the tidy bowl man. I love it. The tidy bowl, and, and that actually is the truth, John. The commercials <laughs> often were almost exclusively <laughs> women, <laughs> like you know, and they're talking to this little man, and it's like it's a sort of like saying like, hey. No one else may be listening to your life, your husband, your marriage may be going, but the tidy, the tidy bowl man is there for you. The tidy bowl man is there. He will listen. He's, he's, he's kind. He's well-dressed. So what are you saying, Draper, is that uh, the matriarch of the family is getting wet, literally. <laughs> Not just because of that, but because of the other thing, too, because the reservoir is open. And exactly, exposed. exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's like, we want every woman in America <laughs> to want to have sex. With, with the, the tidy bowl man. <laughs> Flush away. 
Okay, I I don't. I can't uh-huh. follow any of that. I can't follow any of that. Uh, French champagne. If you're wondering what the hell you're here for today, and you clicked on this episode, today's episode is going you to be our. Um, we're going to do a spoiler review for uh, three projects. Uh, uh, two sort of we're kind of doing cleanup on because we didn't really just get around to doing them. Mm-hmm. And one is a, of a more recent vintage, uh, so we will be uh, uh, speaking on uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, we will be speaking on. Oh, hey, the yeah, Mat- I remember that movie. <laughs> we'll be yeah, here speaking about uh, <laughs> Matrix Resurrections, which I remember is Matrix. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and, and then, um, uh, but the meat of it will be our our Hawkeye because oh, we'll- Hawkeye, that's great. I remember Hawkeye. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we will get back to that <laughs> after some words with from friends. We had our bathroom basement done. Anna Maria Stanimir Gromo, a friend of the podcast who lives out in France, she consults and she says, hey, let me design your your basement bathroom. And that's exactly what she did. She did everything um, via email, via FaceTime. The renderings like, and everything, right? The renderings and everything, a completely beautiful. I took the renderings and uh, hired a contractor. And they are currently putting, the, as we're speaking, putting the finishing touches on my basin. And it looks fantastic. It looks great. Servicing clients domestic international. A master is here to help you through your different phases to transform your space into a reflection of you. Go to amastadesign.com. That is a master spelled A-M-A-S-T-A design. In the kitchen with Roro. In the kitchen with Roro. R-O-R-O. If you're looking for bite-sized bits of yumminess and need to satisfy that sweet tooth, then check out In the Kitchen with Roro on Instagram. Each item is specially made by our personal friend Rosie here in Brooklyn. Also coming to YouTube, that's In the Kitchen with Roro. And we are back from words from friends. Uh, Okay, uh, me and Ed had this discussion and we said basically... These two things we're about to talk about, we we are so apathetic towards them that we're just going to talk about them to talk well, about them. Well, for the them, first two gonna, things that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this section, if you want to, if you want to fast forward, go ahead because it's kind of <laughs> just going to come down to. Yeah. Uh, but the two projects uh, are uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife and uh, Matrix Resurrections. Let's handle uh, Afterlife uh, first. Um, it's already come and gone. Uh, all the controversy that surrounded it in connection to the 2016 Ghostbusters, in connection to the just the long gestation of trying to make a real direct sequel to 1984's Ghostbuster that uh, has been hit or miss for decades upon decades upon decades. Uh, as I mentioned, there was a 2016 uh, all-female reboot. Um here now uh, is a version uh, directed by um, Jason Reitman. Jason Reitman, the Ivan son, Reitman's son of Ivan, right? Uh, that is a direct sequel that uh, uh, pulls in from the continuity, as it were, of the original um, uh, two two films. Although the second film doesn't quite quite as much play in this. This is very much a the Force Awakens for Ghostbusters. To that's a degree. The per- that's the, yeah. It, but it wait, wait, no, but see, here's the, in, the imperfect part about this. And I really, I battled with people online about this. I really did. This, as a film, this is, its tone is incredibly earnest and incredibly reverential towards Ghostbusters, which 
Um, I think is natural coming from the director of, uh, you know, uh, the, the, from the director's point of view, given that this is something his father did, is so famous and well-beloved. And the fans, whom we have all, you know, the ones who grew up with Ghostbusters, and I think especially those who grew up with the cartoon version of uh, the Ghostbusters, uh, it's been built up in your mind, so you feel natural that you should give this a sort of reverential treatment. And ultimately, I think that that is what sinks this movie into just <clears throat> dullness. Um, but I'll let Ed give give uh, his his ten cents uh, before I rip it. So I it. saw I saw it before you did, and I I took um, my wife and kid. And granted, like we are a household. And my son. Ghostbusters is one of those few things that my son actually yeah, sat it's really and broke watched through. Yeah, with Clark. and watched and and watched fully, right? And it's really nowadays, it's really difficult to have kids just sit through anything, let alone close to two hours of anything, right? You know, uh, we went to watch it, and we went to the theaters, and this is, I think, it's if not one of the first COVID, uh, post COVID. I don't know what you want to call it because we're still in COVID. Uh, things that we watched in a theater um, to a theater that, that didn't seem that was it wasn't as sold out as uh, what we talked about recently, which is also a, a Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I was I had positive feelings about going in. I re, this is something that I really wanted to watch. I I I, I didn't know what to expect really. I um, I was not very uh, spoiled. Um, as as I was with a lot of a lot of things that I've seen recently, you know, just as before, mm-hmm. it is interesting in hindsight thinking how I don't think the trailers for this did a bait and switch. No, but no, no, no. I don't think the level of like again the reverentialness that was like <laughs> like the trailers were telling you, ooh, we're gonna do a cool Ghostbusters thing. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really give you the idea of like how sedate the film was, like for most. Well, of its all I knew from it was okay. There's this girl. She's um, Egon's. Yeah. She's Egon's granddaughter. That's all I knew. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So how does Paul Rudd fit into this? Now that's what I say every morning and every day <laughs> I wake up. I say, oh, how hey, does yeah. Paul Rudd. I'll fit tell you how this? I fit into this. <laughs> I fit into this just right. Um, now that said, yeah, and that was one of the things, and and much and much anticipation was, oh wait a minute, are the original guys going to show up? And I wasn't even sure at that time if that uh, how that was going to be fit in. Um, but that said, going into it, watching it, I came out and I immediately said to Miguel, I said, I don't know what to say. Um, the that ending, they actually, and by the way, it's spoiler, okay, spoiler. They force ghost Egon Spangler. Right, yeah. The original guys, they come back. Force. Okay. But Egon Spangler, they somehow manage to CGI something that looked very much like a, a Harold Ramis, and you got chills seeing that if you were a fan of the original. And, and, the, I was a fan and, of original. and the effects in general in this film, they pulled it off very well because yeah. they, they, these, these, they, it was a, it's a polished film. It's a yeah. polished looking movie. But again, it's. It really had to, uh, it functioned on the nostalgia 100%, you know, to a point where, Miguel, we go back and forth about this. Paul Rudd is the, 
the represent who's he who's he who's he he's in this our, literally he's our us. avatar he's our he's avatar dude, in this he's, movie he's, who's he's saying someone oh, over hey. the age of 40 who comes in to, and, to to tell the millennials and the zoomers and the kids oh, yeah oh hey there's this really cool stuff from back in the day when we were kids and you, oh here's you should, youtube you, you know should, you like, should find it cool too then you know and oh, <laughs> that's his whole the 80s were crazy the, the 80s were uh, the uh the 80s were crazy in new york you know really you know so um and that and i can't my wife to someone like my wife um she got she got the feels from it right you know? okay the therefore feels, ultimately she it, got the feels it worked for her it then. worked for her she got her money's Can I ask worth a question? did clark and i know clark was big in ghostbusters mm-hmm. he really enjoyed the first film and he you showed him the cartoons and he really enjoyed the cartoons and he was a ghostbuster for a halloween mm-hmm. he's played like okay um now I'll say that how, what did he think of this film, I think I think, I think in his headspace for someone like my son who um, who really doesn't think much about these things, right? Uh, he's twelve and going on thirteen. Uh, I think it came and went for him, right? You know, yeah. Um, that said, he can quote the original Ghostbusters, right? Yeah, and he can't quote anything. No one's gonna, and, and no one, there, there, and no one is. No one is. There's nothing quotable. In this um, now. That said, I think that the the performances given to you by you know some of the kids, the 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 granddaughter especially, like I think she's no one is bad in this movie. Yeah, I mean there's there there's it's nothing know, horrible about it. But okay, let me let me lay into this. <laughs> All right, all right. I have no problem whatsoever doing a continuation. I have no problem of positing uh, a future history of the uh, Ghostbusters uh, timeline post the second film that doesn't necessarily line up with what everyone wants that they don't become a franchise that they they died out oh that's fine I don't care about that the problem is is that this film really and truly is trying to make Field of Dreams a sequel (laughs) to to Major League (laughs) Or 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 use or use any other kind of 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 of, of similar How comparison. How did you come up with that? How did you come up? With I that? probably read it someplace else. <laughs> oh, but, okay, I, but, okay. but like again, you can go with that as a thought experiment. Going, you can't make okay. Uh, 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 what's that movie about? Um, uh, uh, you can't make Black Hawk Down the sequel to Stripes. You know, you can't make. That'd be interesting. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I mean, John. I think John Winger would have words with you. you know? Exactly. So, like, that is I, I, the issue here for me. You is, know who could have done that? What? Who? The guy, the director we just talked about, Citizen Kane. Oh, Orson uh, Welles. Oh, Ghostbusters. Orson Welles could have done is 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 what John is positing. No, it's like I'd, it is this sort right, of man. deal where it's like, okay, if you look at what makes. And I think there's a. This is something that I, is not original to me. I, I don't. I don't make claim to the original. Like I said, the sort of uh, uh, field of dreams, major league comparison. I also can't say that this is an original thought either on my part. But I agree with it wholeheartedly. The big issue here is that if you look at the first Ghostbusters films, its DNA is far closer to Animal House. It is far closer to. Um, any of those sort of like um, in that time frame, it, the sort it, of slobs. It was versus, ro- yeah, it was slobs roppy. versus yeah. slobs versus yeah, snobs yeah, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. things. The sort of like 
uh, that generation of boomers who were still who were young and outrageous. It's, it was, it's it National was, Lampoon. It's that is its DNA. It's rompy, right? set in a very sci-fi worldish setting. Right. Again, that and, you, and the that joke guys like is, you and I. And again, the joke and everything in this film is a joke of the original Ghostbusters is, oh my God, there really is a supernatural occurrence happening, and our only defense. Are these four jokers <laughs> who are not superheroes? Are not that you know? Again, way, and right. none of that is you know. They're like okay, a simple uh, thing of to show the difference also in culture and time. You know, things. Other thing is shifting is okay. Coons's character, Egon's granddaughter in this film, is given this sort of like, and then they don't do anything with it, and it's also very odd. But it's like, hey, let's posit maybe she's on the spectrum. Okay, mm. and therefore let's intimate that Egon yeah. was the way he was because he was on the <clears> spectrum, <throat> and that's all well and good if I'm to take that Ghostbusters and Egon was some sort of serious drama, but Egon didn't act the way he acted because he was on the spectrum. He acted the way he acted because he was a comedic character. <laughs> okay, uh, you know. To transform that... Your mother! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it, it, he's just supposed to be in a sort of this u- uber nerd guy with no sort of like, yeah, maybe he's on the spectrum and that's out. No, not, not, it, there's not, it's not even close to that. And the film, like, Ghostbusters is a movie where Dan Aykroyd got a ghost blowjob. <laughs> where is this reverence coming for... Have reverence for it as a comedy and honor it I, I, by making a good comedy. I think, I think the parallels are there. It's like, you know, uh, Jason Reitman Amen. being the son of Ivan. You know, Ivan, who is a, a legendary yes. comedy director, you know. Uh, and then Jason being the, the, the son fanboy. Right. Who's just like, hey, dad, you know, I'm thinking about this. And that's so strange because and his dad Reitman, gave me the thumbs up. I, Jason Reitman's films have skewered many a sacred cow. He has an eye for satire. He has an eye for, for, for comedy. Okay. There is no reason this film could not. And so it's not funny. Period. This is not a funny movie. I don't care what if you if you told me you <clears throat> laughed at this film, you lied to me and yourself. I'm sorry. Not funny. I will be not funny in the sense of of the way Ghostbusters was a rompy like like comedy. Yeah. This is a this really it. There's no name me a joke right now. What's up? Can you tell me a joke from Ghostbusters Afterlife? Oh no, absolutely, I can't. You can't, yeah, because right. it's like that's that. Well, again, so, because okay, it's, a, it's so, a sincere. There's a sincerity right. to the movie, right? You it have kids. You have, um, but it's legacy. Seems, yeah, and, yeah, okay, yeah. so it doesn't operate as a comedy. That isn't a demerit in and of itself, despite the fact that I think that I think to myself that a Ghostbusters movie should be funny. Okay, so they decided not funny. Okay, so what else are you giving me here? And what else do they give us here? Uh, hey. Nothing, right? Well, Paul Rudd Paul doing Rudd, that, doing yeah. that very amiable bit that doesn't really go anywhere. Mm. A we're supposed to, I guess, dramatically supposed to be involved in the the girl and her like. That's no, another no, no, issue. No, 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 this is this is why I said, and just to um, uh, about some of the things that are good in this movie, I think uh, I think I had a really. I think it had a more than acceptable plot, you know, of Egon, he, he severs from, from the group, the group, um, and this is, and here's the thing, it's post Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters 2 is canon, apparently. Right, yeah, and, and 
Egon had had Brent had broke away from the group. They because you know they were no more. They, ghosts it's, to service, fight. it's serviceable as a plot. There's nothing wrong or all that bad. There's a little bit of a hinkiness because of course you have to buy that Egon would just leave and the Ghostbusters would be the other guys would be like, oh that, geez, yeah, that is the oh, other I, issue. I hate yeah. I hate Egon. The one and the one person they have to represent tell, that, yeah, is that they have a scene with is Ray, and that makes no sense. Then there I, is no reason why, if your conception of who Ray and Egar are, that if Egon said, "I think that there's something big happening, and we have to keep an eye on it," that Ray stance would be like, "No, Egon, I don't trust mm. you." It would be different if you had gone like, "Let's." If they had gone in a different, if it's Peter, if Peter Venkman. Up, if you do a story with Peter Venkman up and stole all the, the Ghostbusters equipment, and he went somewhere and just disappeared, people thought he had a crack up. He had this. He would have, We never really. Yeah, Peter was always kind of a scumbag anyway, right? <laughs> and then to learn, it's like, and then they didn't believe him because he said, "I did it for this big thing." It's like you don't believe in that stuff anyway, Peter. And your science was never like there. Okay, they didn't do that. It's just like. Uh, I think there. That's just, an issue going forward. It, there's an issue in that they make a big deal about the the young girl and oh she's trying to you know uh, to acclimate herself to you know to being more socialized, and it's like oh she has a hard time making friends and oh she she shows up in town day one and wraps Paul Rudd around her finger, wraps her friend podcast around her finger, so there's nothing going on there. We got Finn Wolfhard's character who literally just exists in this movie. Yeah. He he he's no different than the the, the kid from Stranger Things. Right? Well, oh. well, uh, no, well, Mike at least is <laughs> in Stranger Things is a central character. Here he shows up and, he and he's just there as an excuse to yeah. fix up Ecto One for no reason. It's not like we have a whole thing where it's like, oh, my son is really into mechanical stuff and he's trying to be a and that is and, and blah, that blah, is blah. the that nope, is, he just fixes up that Ecto One to fix it up. That is the earnest failed attempt of the movie, right? It's in in terms of legacy, which is like these are Egon's. Uh, um, grandkids. grandkids, right? You have a daughter who she's just, you know, doesn't uh, care. By the way, and we'd never learn who the mother is. N- nothing it's not whatsoever. Janine. Janine, who shows up in the movie, in the beginning of the movie, and you go, um, oh, was there something going on with her? Nothing, you know, aside from that, she was paying bills. Oh, yeah, she, she was, she was the prox, she was uh, uh, Winston's proxy because Winston ended up becoming the most successful out of them for whatever reason right right? okay so the film is it's it doesn't deliver anything else because like i said you know rudd's character that that romance between her is cutish but it doesn't amount Mm. to much between Mm. him and the mother uh the girl and her friends issue never really comes up the son and his relationship with the which by the way oh my god all right let's think about it i know that everyone loves winston zedmore everyone loves ernie hudson and we love his contributions to the original Ghostbusters, but we all would be lying if we said that they were particularly, it's good for its time-ish, <clears throat> but the truth is the one black character of the cast is very small. Yeah, Here, very we bring in Finn Wolfhard's character, and he has his, his, his female love interest, and you think that's going to go somewhere. You think that that's going to be like, and she's, a, and she's a girl of color, right? Mm-hmm. And she becomes part of the group. She doesn't even have a personality. We learn nothing about her. She's just there as his well, girlfriend. Well, let's find and, out together. And her and her <laughs> and her father is um, the local law enforcement. Yeah, yeah. And you think that's going to go? And you think that that's yeah. going to go into maybe a Walter Peck area where they're going to have the authorities? Nope. There's nothing like that happens either. It is a replay of many beats from the first film that happened just to happen. 
there's no like you know at least Walter Peck there's a setup and there's a payoff here it's just like nope no, it's kind of there. It's kind of. It seems like a roadblock for a little bit, and, but and it's I don't overcome know, in two seconds. And I don't know whether in the planning of this, what you know, obviously COVID was was a big an issue, and this is one of the one of those. I think it was COVID. done before. I think it was. I think it was mostly in the can before COVID. I think. I know. Yeah, but even still, that that the the planning stages of or the question of how post production, okay. post production, or even just trying to figure out how are we going to make money in in, in a right, COVID yeah. post COVID. But but getting it into the the film itself, right? That's the marketing. Well, and that's, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's whether whether those things had dictated how the direction of the movie was going to go. Because here, because here's the thing: they're setting up for sequels. When Winston is saying, "Yeah, the end definitely you know, has you like we th- we thought we think that this is going to be a hit, and therefore we're going to have more." And I find listen, it funny because, to my mind. If the next film is a logical jumping off point from this last, from the ending of this one, which is Ghostbusters Inc. is up and running again Mm -hmm. on some level. They show Winston in the firehouse in New York. I assume you include the the these kids on some level in that. Right. Okay. however long, however long it takes. Oh, hey, the little girl um, grows up. up She goes to college college in NYU. Exactly. Okay, or there's a beginning of a franchise or whatever the. It kind of makes me feel that this film was completely unnecessary because you you start off just from that as, just as that you start off from that anything point. Anything else of, that came after the the, the original? The, like, no, no, no. But I mean, like this. I mean that in other words, if you were going to go, like, if the point was to end this film so that hey, we can have a jumping off point where Ghostbusters is still active mm. as a thing, then just do that. Just have a movie where you say. um, this takes place in the same continuity decades and decades later. Ghostbusting is still a thing. And there are just like the original film said, there are franchises available and um, we're going to check in on the different franchises, well, which was one of the original ideas uh, Ackroyd had for a third Ghostbusters films, which was basically going to be Ackroyd uh, and I want to say Farley, Chris Farley, mm-hmm. back when Farley was alive. And it was going to be Ho. Just like in the in the first Ghostbusters film where Bill Murray talks about, hey, the franchise rights will make us millions of dollars. There's a franchise open someplace. Ray Stance is sent there to give you know, bring them up to speed and they have their adventure, yada, yada, yada. This sounds like that's just the starting point of what would theoretically be a follow-up film to this, right? Well, I, yeah, yeah, you... So just do that. We didn't need to take this trip, like, at all. And yet, if we were to ask the question, well, how do you make Ghostbusters sustainable. Well, you know, um, we went back and forth about this, about the animated series. Right. Being something that's critical. Like, you and I, in, from a critical eye, the animated series had tons of chock full of goodness that they could have drawn from and to turn that into whatever, you know. Um, it, it, the, the animated series shows that you can take this and you can make multiple stories. Mm. Um, but a key part of the animated series, which I think, again, is the problem where what this approach was. The animated series made the Ghostbusters into superheroes for guys our age. When even the show itself was so close to the, the movies where they were very um, workaday schlubby on the, sh- on the cartoon show. 
You know what I mean? The personalities really didn't alter though that no, much. No, no. So so therefore they didn't become. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. But because you, as kids, just that repetition of seeing them day in and day out, just like, oh, the Ghostbusters, they're these big heroes in my mind. And it's like, no, it's comedy. This is all about the jokes. And this movie, that is all I got to say. I, I, it, this movie was a huge waste of time. <laughs> it's not that it is terribly made. It's finely made. Um, but it is even if oh, judged I, on its I, own terms, I appreciate terms, the, the the attempt. But at the same right, time, right. like yeah, it is it is a judged on waste. its own terms. It's not that great, no. and judged as a sequel to Ghostbusters, it's definitely not that. So that's I, what it's I, a marginal improvement compared to the 2016 one. You know, and you know what? A, no, Ed. You know what? I'll go to the bat for this. The, the 2016 movie at least had its heart in the right place of saying we're Ghostbusters is comedy. Um, we're trying to recreate some of the, at least some of the some of the elements of that because it was the same thing. Let's get a bunch of group, people who are good at improv. Let's get it. It didn't work, but it didn't work in a way that this thing just feels so completely wrong headed. That just fell flat. Yeah, I uh, so yeah so um th- we that ends it for Ghostbusters Afterlife. We're yeah, going we to take a cut the cord. <laughs> a, a, a a quick break and then we will come back and we will give our words. I want a new drug. Um, da, 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 da. I don't know. I just felt the need <laughs> we to... were talking about Matrix Resurrections. <laughs> <sighs> oh, what's the matter, Miguel? Uh, I feel fat, Ed. I feel the same way, too. Oh, you too, John? Yeah. You guys, you, both you guys need to get in shape. And a way to go about this is by going with JP Total Fitness. JP Total Fitness? What's that? Um, our pal Jonathan Padilla, friend of the show, runs a Brooklyn-based personal training and remote coaching service committed to leading you becoming stronger and faster. Go to jptotalfitness.com. All right. This logo was provided to us by friend of the show, Matt Silkowski, who also runs MSD Studios. And what does Matt do at MSD Studios? He provides positive reinforcement for your brand. Located in Philadelphia, Matt has worked with clients of all sizes and has helped them to focus on designs for campaigns, rebrands, and new brands. Get in touch for your next project, MSD Studios. That's msdstudios.com. And now we're going to go into uh, the next project we're going to be uh, discussing, which is the recently released uh, Matrix Resurrections. Now, I remember when we started first discuss this on the podcast that I think even you, Ed, you were like, wait, this is happening. Or there is this, when is this happening? This is coming out. It even, and, and we're talking about something from about two years ago where we kind of were calling like, Oh, okay. They're, they're doing a matrix sequel. Cool. Then our lives all turned to hell. And we kind of <laughs> were like, like didn't have really time to like even th- think about or care about a matrix sequel. But now here it is upon us. Um, it is upon us. It is, uh, <laughs> and uh, here's the truth. The truth is that you want to think about if, this. Yes, if you want to sum up, if I take the, if I just give you the finger, I <laughs> uh, see. Now, I think, I think that it, that this movie was. It should have been called "Sad Keanu the Movie." It was that meme, John Wick, writ large. John Wick, John Wick, three point three point five. It wasn't at least at least at least it would have then had good action. Because, uh, all right, John, like, you are, uh, you're the Matrix generation, mm-hmm. okay? This was 
in so many ways, your generation's Star Wars all your own. Um, it, I, and I think in the sense that while Harry Potter was probably closer to being actually your generation Star Wars, given the it, involvement with this. But Matrix has it because it's a sci-fi epic, right? You tell me, were you in any way, shape, or form like chomping at the bit for a fourth installment of this series after the second and the third one? I, I think I think time lapsed too too long. It's too long. It's too long. So I feel like a lot of people just forgot about it. You know, or like we're happy to see it. But I feel like it should have came 10 years earlier, you know, like not 15, in, in, in all honesty, that's kind of, there's a big part of me that feels like exactly like where I like, like I'm kind of happy to see you guys, but about 10 years ago. And you haven't seen it, right? You haven't, haven't seen you, it. You haven't seen it. That sums up a lot of this film, unfortunately. Um, Ouch. I'm looking at the box office numbers. Yeah, well, you know that's wow. Yeah, for what it costs and uh, and sort of the the sort of hype around it. This is Wachowski's sisters. This is one of them. One of the Lana 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 comes back. Lana came back uh, to direct it. Okay, now, um, nothing wrong with doing the sequel to this. Um, I will say I will beat on the record as one of those people that when I saw the original one in the theaters in '99, that. When it ends, and I've said this on the show probably multiple times, and I'll say it again. When it ends, the original one, it ends perfectly. Neo is freed. He now knows he's the one. He talks to the computers in sort of a cryptic message and says, I'm going to show these people, you know, a mind free, blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. And he flies. And I remember in the theater, I I said to myself, well, he's got to fly, right? I said, that's the only thing he's got. If he's, oh, I'm going to show these people, you know, what you don't want them to see, that what is possible in this world. And I say, he's got to fucking fly, right? He's got to fly. And then he does. And I'm like, I don't need to see any more of this story. Would I, would it be cool to see the revolution against the machines and yada, 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 and what happens next? Yes. But this, this is a perfect end point. This is a great, and, and you watch it and you finish it and you go, I've seen a landmark movie that combines um, and something that engages you intellectually enough. I mean, it's not, the, it's not the level of high philosophy that people who really push it think, but it is smarter than the average action film, but also an amazing action film on top of that and, you know, revolutionized and has all this influence. The sequels... Yeah, you can go back well, and forth well, about, on the sequels. About or, that, I have to say that um, uh, The Matrix as an IP um, is, I think, um, what comes after Back to the Future. And Back to the Future sets the stage for, hey, you know, we're just going to keep milking Hollywood for with sequels and bombard, bombard the public with sequels because this is what defines cash grab, right? You know, uh, you got a good thing. We're just going to keep pumping out stuff that you like, and uh, every time, every little, everything that comes after a- after what comes previously is in diminishing returns, right? Um, Except for Terminator Two. <laughs> well, look how many sequels to Terminator Two. To, right, Terminator, Terminator have, After right? Two, the, though, is a, yeah, yeah. The Matrix is now. This is something. The Matrix comes out. A lot of the times when you and I first, around the time when you and I first got, yeah, about a year before we met, I would say, uh, right? So ninety nine, right? Yeah, the first and exactly what you said. The first one comes out, and I'm thinking to myself, this is well, it it does break ground as 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 a film itself. It breaks a lot of 
things, right? You know, bullet, uh, time. bullet right. The story was pretty good. But mainstreaming uh, wire foo and all the rest of that, yeah. It had no, like, even, I'll say, I said this then and I'll say it now, there was no reason to do the second one and the third one. Just like there yeah. was really no reason to do Back to Future 2, no Back to Future 3. Um, no, you're right. It should have been one and done, but because it was such a success, now, they wanted to make money. You ask me, you guys ask me, do I remember anything about 2 and 3? Not really. <laughs> and it, okay, and that's I'd like to get to that point. This is I all actually I remember about part one. I, I, oh, he's I, doing, he's doing, I would just like to tell doing, everyone that John just did like he was falling behind on his chair. Yeah, as, doing the bullet time, bullet time thing. thing. All right, now this is the thing. Okay, I have gone to bat for the second one. Basically, based on the fact that but it's right. Who remembers anything about number two? Okay, that's uh, true. Uh, I, I am I the one because because I'm about to tell you I I enjoyed uh, what I enjoyed are about you the, the one <laughs> I, what I enjoyed about the, what I enjoyed about the second uh, the second film was that its ending throws all heroic fiction on its ear. The ending of the second one basically says, "Oh hey, the super cool like and they there's an awareness in the second one. It's like, oh the super cool." Um, Every man's cipher that you're that you're like everyone's rooting for here with the cool black clothing and the sunglassing and he's the rebel. Mm. Yeah, he actually has completely been co-opted. The rebellion is co-opted by the authority and always has and always will be. That is balls. If you really take it, they basically said, oh, everything from the first film was nonsense. And then the third film completely craps the bed. And the second film, <laughs> and the second film is also, despite me liking that, is bloated. It's too long. You can't really tell what's going on. You don't care. Uh, I don't even. I don't well, even count it, that Zion scene it, against it, it. It's just the general plot and how it moves. Is that, all that that's major. a good point because um, while this one, everything is about what is meta, right? You know, it's it's yeah. very meta, and meta being. The word and again, beyond. very, very Force Awakens, where we need to hit mm. all of the well-known there you go. That's things. That's a franchise where number two is better than number one. Star yes, Wars. Star, Wars, Star yes. Wars. So, like, we get a film where you said there's this meta commentary. We're hitting all of the same hits again. It's bloated in many ways. Anything you're going to say about it is people. I think they're a good reaction. Couldn't be like kind of a shrug and just go, "What's your problem?" It's a Matrix movie. Mm. Like it's a, it's this highly polished production with a lot of pseudo intellectual nonsense in it. And it's like, oh, but the problem is, is that it it is even missing the elements that make that especially that first film so groundbreaking. The action is not interesting in this film in any way. It doesn't. Oh, really? That's disappointing. Well, it's well very compared to let's like again because the first one is so groundbreaking. Even the martial arts of it, right? You know, uh, Wire Fu was I think one of the it's one of the first uh, Hollywood centric Wally uh, uh, to incorporate to incorporate Wire Fu into it, mm-hmm. and um, combining that with the CG and the, C- with the, the gunplay, right. with the production values, and then yeah. with all those elements that were, were are now ubiquitous in pop culture. Right. But you know, the Matrix was the one so that was. Like, how can they push it? And they can't. Now Same, here's the thing: just fail at pushing. The elements are there. Yeah, yeah. The perform like, they have great actors in it, and Jenna Hedwig, Henwick, uh, uh, if you remember from. From Iron Fist. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mateen. She's, uh, yeah, yeah, Mateen, the third, uh, Black Manta. Um, 
Carrie Ann Moss, um, okay. you know, while... Let me get right into the... Cut to the biggest problem of this movie. Well, hold okay. on, hold on. Before you... I haven't seen it, but okay. let me just say that she uh, still looks fine. Well, she still looks great. She's she's, great. she's and in a Hollywood Since sense, in a Hollywood later. sense, Jenna Henwick. I think. Oh, you're talking about Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about uh, Jenna Henwick, who I think ha, um, uh, I don't know. Like it's uh, fortunately not so fortunate. Fortunately, not so fortunately. Um, this is one of those projects where I think she has. She should be proud. To do, to, um, of this movie well, at the she same was time for a reason like you don't just become a, a, a lead in a matrix movie mm, yeah and not and not people don't give that you don't just hand that out there's a reason but the characters in this aren't particularly well developed no. and probably the biggest sin is that it's a very convoluted plot john of i don't even want to get into it normally we do like a blow blah 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 that's like really quickly really quickly right right very very fast everything that happens from from the past matrix it was a video game that was created by um, by by. No, well, no, we act. No, Neo at the end of the first film, you know, Trinity is dead, and Neo is taken in by the machines in some sort of sacrifice or whatever to end the war. Again, a lot of that. That what the one good thing about this movie was going like, oh, thank you for clearing up Matrix Three because <laughs> I had no freaking clue how that movie ended. And so, so the the machines are now like we oh, need sorry, to. Sorry, sorry, not to stop you. But, what? Uh, but do I do we have to watch all the movies to get this last one, or can you just watch the last this last one? I think you can. You might be more confused, and, and you than, might yeah, yeah, because again, <laughs> so the machines now sort of like their avatar is uh, uh, NPH uh, Neil Patrick Neil Harris Patrick. as a character called the Analyst, and he's like. Oh, my job is to keep the reactors going, keep the energy flowing, right? Neil and for Patrick s- Harris? Neil Patrick Harris, is right. Is he doing a blow off of uh, p- uh, girls' asses? No? Possibly. Okay, so they are all like, oh, you two guys, Trinity and Neo are an anomaly that create more energy, and I got to keep them close enough together to do that, but not close enough where they connect for some reason, because I don't guess like, she'll be powerful or whatever. And so Neo is kept in the Matrix again, and he's been convinced that Thomas Anderson was a game designer who designed a game <clears throat> called The Matrix. Yada, it's all that meta bullshit, which is nowhere near as interesting or as fun or as funny as I think Lana Wachowski thinks it is. And the trade-off there, given how long this movie is, and this is a huge issue. This is a giant issue with this movie. And especially given, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to throw things into people's faces or anything, but all right, Lana Wachowski... Her sister and a lot of people who watch, they've sort of said, oh, the original Matrix and Matrix trilogy um, can be viewed through the eyes of a trans person coming into their own. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of people say it's that metaphor. It's that, it's, it's trans, okay, okay. Um, an metaphor. awakening of a person to their potentials, yada, 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 so who, they truly, who they truly are. Who they truly are. self, but a real true self. Um, there was even supposed yeah, yeah. to be things in the original film. The patriarchy made me exactly. feel this way, but I... There's a character in good. the first film called Switch, who they were supposed to be, there's a, a, a woman with very, very short blonde hair, and it was supposed to be a thing where Switch was a woman in one version of reality, but when in The Matrix they were another sex, and I forget which one it was, whether the, the, it was a, a a woman in The Matrix and a man in the real world, or a man in The Matrix, and but they were supposed to be, have that, those elements. Okay, given that, Trinity ultimately is the third act whole huge thing in this film of Trinity is living Mm -hmm. in the Matrix again and we have to wake her up, but it has to be her choice. 
if she is enjoying who, you know, if she doesn't want to leave this life, it would be um, detrimental to her to take her out without that, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now, John, you would think that, that that being the crux of the film, that they basically tell the audience in exposition, this is what's happening, that Trinity as a character would have been threaded throughout this movie from the beginning to the end, that we see her journey, we get to know who she is, what she is, what she's dealing with in this reality, because ultimately her choice of living this lie of having a husband and kids and being satisfied in that life is not real. There's the problem that they don't show any of that. She shows up in a handful of scenes, she shows up in a couple of scenes to meet Neo, and then we go to her motorcycle shop that she works, and then she's around her kids at the end. But we don't learn anything about her. We don't get her inner struggles or anything. Her voice, the lead female protagonist of the original trilogy, is absent from this movie. Well, and and that's, I think, think structurally speaking, because of that... You you start to get really confused, like, well, what is this movie about? Is it about Neo? Is it is it about the 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 meta commentary? Is it about the the whole metaphor of the of 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 what binary binaryism means? You know, um, and there's another uh, meta thing in itself, right? You know, like, there's a huge meta commentary about similar to the Second Matrix that again people mm-hmm. because they've forgotten it, which is sort of like it says about like Neil Patrick Harris at the end. He gives sort of the mission statement of the movie where he's like, people don't want to be freed. Basically, sort of like, what's happened since... You know, that's that's very... Um, there's a Bible verse that's very parallel to this about the, the blind man. And Jesus is like, you sure you want me to heal you? Because you won't be able to just beg anymore. You know, you'll probably have to get up and work and... But you're giving it way too much thought for something <laughs> no, like but this. No, 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 no. There is, there is something to be said yeah, about the idea this, of freedom, the idea yeah, of individualistic like you freedom. You really want to be healed because no. if you yes. really see, then you have to change your whole life. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And there's, there's, and that's always been a part of the Matrix as a whole because it's always been this, you know. We're having this discussion about re- the nature of reality and the, with these films. Okay? Uh, 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 Joey Pants with the when he eats a steak. You know, I know like, it's not real, but I'm getting pleasure from it, so that's good bliss, for me. So you know, like freedom is bliss. And, you know, right? and so, but see, the issue here is that the film sort of feels like Wachowski is almost making a statement of like, here was all of this stuff in 1999 that I was, you know, that we was throwing out, and not just her. Other filmmakers, other creators, and many other things, and they're saying like this is sort of in many. Well, wait, this is sort yeah. of in many ways like a wistful Gen Xer looking back and saying, "Ah, geez, we really didn't pull this off the way we thought we were going to pull. The future is <laughs> not in any way what we thought, despite gra- whatever we did, however well we did it." There is that sort of like I don't want to say melancholy, but again, that sort of like sadness kind of woven through the film to a degree of kind of like now we got to because that's what the ending is like I said the ending is NPH saying oh, what are you guys giving basically NPH represents what what I think Wachowski is thinking the studios and a lot of the people are thinking oh you guys oh what you're going to bring in here is now the you you foiled me with the power of love is that what you think the audience wants the audience doesn't want that. They don't want true liberation. They don't want to truly become like that's the whole commentary of that last part. And well, the attempt at that and, and, and attempt at because, it, but it's still kind of because you also get uh, so what ends up happening is that Neo and and Trinity they're 
they are full realization. They're fully realized, and once tr- they come into Trini contact ha- with Trini each other, Trinity is again. back. Trinity is now Trinity and not Tiffany, which. But which not is- just that. It's that once they come into contact again, in a last desperate effort to like get away from the bad guys inside the Matrix, um, they jump off a building, which was a whole thing threaded through the whole film mm-hmm. about Neo's character. And when he was Thomas Anderson and he didn't remember Neo. Is he able to fly? He tried to th- jump off of a building and like, so, okay. Is he the one? That whole thing. So he's kind of been held back. I can't do all the things. He's kind of like a hobbled messiah in this one. However, once he's come back into contact with Tiffany, who becomes Trinity again, mm-hmm. she flies. And suddenly she's doing all the things. She has these same abilities that he does. At the end of the movie, they kind of fly. They're this sort of Superman, Wonder yeah. Woman duo of like, like now we both of us can fly, and who knows? Maybe they can spread that to everyone. And similar to Jeez. Ghostbusters Afterlife, there is a part of that that goes. If if that's where Lana Wachowski wanted to go with this, this trip was unnecessary. <laughs> this is well, by like, the way, like, by the way, this, this leads is... into the, the the martial arts of it, the 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 lackluster martial arts of it. Neo barely fights. I mean, he has that one. He has a, again. He has a he, they revisit, with Ms. They, Mr. Smith. Yeah, Agent they, Smith again. they revisit the whole you know him versus Mor- uh, Morpheus, played by in this case it's uh, Yaya Mateen, right? Right, as a new Morpheus. I don't want to get to the the <laughs> I don't like that. right. Um, but what he does is not fight. He does a lot of force push things yeah you know and like a majority of the the action sequences right it's like and, there's and, there's a there's an rpg coming his way and he does a force push and it, and, and it ends up knocking and and, and they're okay i find there's some of that in the first movie yeah he stops all the bullets. but here it's like a lot it's like it, it, the majority of what he can do yeah. right and this is the other so it doesn't deliver with those action sequences and then the plot and characters are all insanely opaque. I can't figure out what's going on. Like I said, it took this film to explain. And to that the doesn't end of the make sense one. because it looks as if he just walked off the set out of doing a John Wick movie, and he's still doing John Wick movies, right? You know, so and you would uh, think the the action would at least still be good, right? Yeah, you know. Now it seems to me that I just read something the other day that uh, he wants Carrie Ann Moss to be in the next John Wick movie, so. I don't know how the pro- the productions of the John Wick machine how they bleed into this. Well, one of the biggest interesting things of the bleed in is the fact is the fact that Carrie Ann Moss's husband in this movie, Tiffany's husband, you that up is the director of the John Wick films. <laughs> so that makes it even more mysterious. You're kind of like, wait, you had access to this guy on set. <laughs> you could have had him do some consultation here, that's and instead question. it's, yeah. Well, that's my question. Do you think uh, COVID is the reason why the action suffered? No, no, no. I, I, I honestly think CGI a lot of them together. No, I think the the real the real problem is is just that this is an was an unnecessary trip. Yeah, and you know there are some people as who, was the third one. <laughs> there are there are some people who even think that Lana Wachowski made this that there's commentary in the movie again where she's mm-hmm. like one of the early parts of the film is basically like I said Neo as Tom Anderson his you know his normal human. Mr. 
right? So like, it's like, oh, you created this game called The Matrix in the nine in the in the late nineties that blew up, became this gigantic phenomenon. By the way, right? they couldn't get Hugo Weaving back, so they right. got Jonathan Groff. So um, the idea uh, to, to is be that the new Mr. Smith. The idea is they come to him and they go like, we want to remake The Matrix. You know, start over from the make a new Matrix sequel, and it's sort of they're saying like, well, why? It says, oh, look, if you don't, if we don't make it. Warner Brothers will op- use the option in their contract and they'll make it with literally Alice. that's what he says Warner Brothers is a thing right that they reference and he says we <laughs> will not be you know like they'll make it anyway so I think that was Lana's way of saying that was the approach you to me too choice. I was you know if I didn't make it it was going to be made anyway and at least my hand on the till I'll be able to like you know Have somewhat of a say. shape yeah. it into the area I want to go to which some people have thought, well, the way it ended and everything, this sort of was her her way of sort of making a poison pill of like, well, they're not going to go back to the Matrix well anymore at any time after this one. I don't know how much I think people want to make good things. I think I think Wachowski had some very good ideas and things that they wanted she wanted to explore here. But look, but the, it idea, is an the idea of and unengaging the idea of machines fostering um, uh, embryonic people, right? You know, and drawing energy from that—that's still there, right? That doesn't and change. Still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the, pods. <laughs> the pods, because from the third one, it's been established like there was a there was a a, stale, a stalemate between human humanity. I don't even know and and I robots. Don't even know, right? This guy is telling me, well, why don't they just go to space? I keep saying. That, that's what Miguel keeps telling you. Why don't okay, you just my, get to, my, go to my space? My whole, one of my biggest issues with the Matrix as a franchise comes down to the simple fact that it's like, okay, um, and they have this in the Animatrix where they try to explain the history of where mm-hmm, the yeah, AI yeah, versus yeah. humanity war started, how it, you know, how it ebbed and flowed. And the problem here is this. What What the artificial intelligence does to humanity is based purely out of vengeance. (laughs) To take your former masters and to turn them into batteries and to keep them enslaved in these pods when you could just easily just have been like, "Um, are any of you all on the moon? Oh, none of you are on the moon. Well, we don't need air and we don't need water and we don't need food and we don't... So we can just Audi like Kurt Gowdy at any time from this planet and just leave and leave you to die on like that would have been a more. But what they do is instead enslave humanity. I would like that to have been explored at some point because then everything else afterwards, it is explainable. It is like you. This is not about an efficient way of keeping the AI society alive. This is you want to oppress. You need to oppress, not because you have even like a Miguel material. Miguel Alejandro Velez, I'm just very jealous of how your mother treats me compared to the way he treats you, compared to the way she treats you. I have no idea what you're doing right now. <laughs> but you're saying that I, you're, that I act accordingly out of vengeance. Is that what you're saying? Oh, you don't know. Okay, see, I had to go. I was like, well, where are you even going with that one? Yeah. But no, th- th- it is the sort of thing where it's like, okay, there are areas to explore in this franchise. And this film instead just makes everything super opaque from the beginning, from the beginning with the whole introduction of new Morpheus, where I don't even understand how that works. I, new more. Wait, wait, wait. New Morpheus as a character. It's like, okay, Thomas Anderson is running 
in a world that's like our world, a holodeck type simulation okay. that creates he creates Morpheus. Morpheus is not even like like oh Morpheus's mind transferred. I thought that's what they were going. It's like no, he just made well, him wait, up wait, 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 in wait. a simulation inside we, of a we simulation. We just need it back for, and then he John, gets loose. I just need to we, we just need to back it up just for your sake, right? You know, not only is there a stalemate between machines and humanity, there are machines that are partnering up with humanity, right? So there are there are good machines, good programs, good, good programs that work with humanity, and they and are also for in what reason? This sounds like this could be wrapped up in one episode of Star Trek: The Original Series, with Kirk basically giving the the AIs some call. sort of no. Well, he well what he would do is he, I am your creator. Yeah, therefore it, no. Well, Spock. Well, Spock. He would, no, humans he, are not perfect. Yes, he would. We, <laughs> he would trap them in some sort of logic loop that would make it impossible for them to. Spock, do you have that? Uh, <laughs> the reference, the card of the psychologist that perhaps the 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 suicidal robot can probably talk to. Right. It would. It, it would. And then it would be like it's like it's like. Well, what do we do now? You'll have to live in the real world. <laughs> You'll have to find a way to survive without fantasy. There, what is that other episode? There was no explosive that went off. Why? Are you, why are you killing people? We have a pact. <laughs> we if don't we want do... to destroy infrastructure. Yeah. So if they theoretically bombed us, right? Yeah. And I think that up. this is the problem with the film because it's. You it's opaque everywhere else. Two Star Trek episodes explain the whole Right, exactly, the whole thing. And because <clears throat> you don't, nothing else is interesting, and the love story, quite frankly, is kind I of... Rock. The, 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 the love story is very wan because, like I said, Trinity's voice is absent. You're just left with this sort of, like, set piece to set piece, and none of the set pieces are particularly interesting or engaging. And then you're ended with this sort of, like... Ah, here's our our commentary on society and entertainment, and then they fly off. I think that's all I have to say. I don't think it's all you have to say. There's not really a lot to say to them. It is another very kind of like and then the cover eh. and then the cover of uh, of um, of, Ra- of, of Rage, Rage Against the Machine she comes up with a cover of it. It's not Rage Against the Machine. It's a cover of that song. It's and it's a female voice, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I, that was telling. I, they were yeah, like yeah, again yeah. the sort of. I think that was the whole point. But anyway, yeah, that's all I have to say. It's it's a man movie. And uh, we will come back with uh, our our thoughts on uh, Hawkeye Season 1 as soon as we finish these words from friends. And we are back. Uh, now we're going to get into, honestly, the thing that is excited us and that both me and Ed enjoyed. Uh, John, you didn't see any of it, right? You didn't see any of uh, the Hawkeye show. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Well, listen, listen. I, I, we, we, Hawkeye been excited on Disney since, Plus. Yeah, it's perhaps, uh, like I was very tickled to watch it because uh, for, for me and Miguel, Hawkeye is just one of the is one of fav. our favorite is a is a favorite. Um, Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner returns um, along with some other surprises and not so other surprises and some big surprises. Um, and <laughs> uh, like, okay, you know, Hawkeye as a character is something that, uh, you know, if you're a longtime comic book fan, um, there's just, if you like him, there's just something about Hawkeye. He's the, he's the sort of um, Con- stubborn, 
um, loudmouth, uh, irreverent, irreverent, but also mortal. He's he has an everyman quality mm. within on a team like the Avengers, right? And here's the truth of it. The truth of it is that Jeremy Renner's version of Clint Barton, Hawkeye in the MCU, is very different from how you and I conceive of Hawkeye. And not so different at the same time, because when he says to in in um in he, Age of Ultron, you know, there there were murder robots outside. And I'm fighting these guys. And I'm fighting these guys with a bow with, with, with a bow and arrow. Nothing makes sense. That is commentary. Yes, and that is there is there are many moments where the general attitude of Clint Barton from the comics does shine through. Mm-hmm. But they're not doing it. This is a more taciturn, more close to the vest, a drier uh, Clint Barton. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, I know that there are a lot of people who, like, I don't know if it started out as, like, just a meme of kind of, like, it's, like, shut up, Meg. I don't know if it started out as (laughs) something like that because there just came to be this sort of, like, shut up, Meg attitude towards Hawkeye in the MC movies. Like, ah, the lame guy with the arrows, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. I don't care about him. Everyone's saying, Hawkeye's the least interesting, yada, 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 yada. Well, this is also very, uh, I think, very fleshed out compared to when he was, the, the Hawkeye that we saw in the movies, too, because he's got a family now, right, who's returned to him, which makes his mortality his mortality even more prevalent, right? You yeah, know? yeah. The the fam- and that's a big difference between mm-hmm. Hawkeye in the comics yeah, and Hawkeye yeah, in the movies yeah. is the fact that Hawk my my conception of Hawkeye from the comics has always been the most committed Avenger. Yes, yes. Why? Because he doesn't have anything else. Mm. Everyone else I to he a, had a family and all that. No, no, in, no the in the comics, comics he's comics, an orphan. In the comics. In the comics, he's an orphan. He has a he. Him and his brother grew up uh, by themselves, no mom and dad. They were growing circus through, through, through the circus, right? And um, his brother turns sort of bad even before he puts on the costume. Mm. They have a falling out, so he doesn't have anybody. He stumbles into this Hawkeye thing, gets recruited to the Avengers, and then originally, like, originally as a villain back in the seventies, in the sixties, he, he was, he was, he was, he was. He was jealous of Iron Man. He creates Hawkeye, <laughs> right? And then almost immediately gets duped by the Black Widow, yeah. by Natasha to like be a bad guy. And then that in turn is when Lee and Kirby do the whole like, let's spin him off and put him into the mm. Avengers. And it'll be a whole thing. It's like, uh, I, I, I messed up. I want to make amends. Um, I can be useful to you guys, you know, for what, you know, my skill set and whatever. And he just sort of, he slots into the Avengers as yes, the most committed guy, mm. but he is also the guy who will most buck the leadership if he doesn't think they're doing the right thing. Now, so he's there- the guy that will go toe to toe with Cap and say, This plan is bullshit <laughs> or you can't you gotta be kidding me with this idea. Now there obviously there are parallels between um yes. narrow and Hawkeye, right? Interesting um, that both of the Archer characters are the disruptive ones, are the ones who will challenge and, you know, push. Um, there's a lot of, like, ideas that generally are swirling around from that period when yeah. Hawkeye and Green Arrow sort of, like, came to the forefront of their teams. And I can't, there was some trading. Now, back and, and I don't remember when the, I don't, from its original con- conception of, of, of Clint, whether the trick arrows were were part of it from the from the get go. Yes, the trick arrows were there, okay. which is a takeoff on Green Arrow. That is another right. th- part of it. Clint is created after Ollie Queen, and 
Ali is the de facto like er yeah. trick archer character. If you're going to have a character who uses a bow and arrow in the modern day times, they're going to use trick arrows. They're going to have, and they're going to be styled in many ways, almost after and Ali being uh, the surly liberal guy right. on the on the on, in in the Justice League. Whereas Clint, Clint is, just is just surly. He's just surly. He's just right? surly. Now, now again, now, he, now let me also delineate that there there are this series. I think are very. Inspired by the Mac Fraction run, yes. Uh, when he when he when he has those adventures with him and Kate Bishop, right, with Clint Barton and Kate Bishop, um, and those books were very much about this is Hawkeye when he's off of the Avengers and it's his apartment complex that he lives <laughs> everything in happens around the part of the apartment and sort of him training Kate Bishop who wants to take up the name of Hawkeye mm-hmm. and uh, the series sort of float from that and a lot of the elements from that series are present from the tracksuit mob, mob, mob the guys the tracksuit pizza dog again the simple fact that it is all based around a relationship between Clint and and Kate Bishop mm-hmm. so this this show flows out of the fact that we're getting all of these Disney Plus shows and they started handing out hey you get a series and you get a series and you get Clint Barton got, get, uh, uh, gets one it's a Christmas Oprah. Exactly. You get a series. (laughs) I mean, look, uh, John, we're dealing with a world where me and Ed are going like Hawkeye and and the Kamala version of Miss Marvel and Moon Knight all are going to have a series. This is insane. Never who would have thought about it. And, you know, Clint is a founding Avenger in the MCU. Mm-hmm. He's an important character for that rep. There's a lot that's based around him. And he's publicly a celebrity. People see him on the streets in New York and they go, right. hey, it's you. you Can know? I say as a millennial, I do have to give uh, uh, Marvel MCU credit for taking a gamble on on characters that people like me don't didn't even right. know, really know about. But we like now. You know, a lot of people like the Green Arrow. A lot of people like uh, uh, Hawkeye, yeah. Black Widow. Right. A lot of people. And these are characters <laughs> I didn't even, to be frank, I didn't even know. You didn't know from, from tw- yeah, 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 10 yeah. years now, ago. Now, let me ask you. And like, Doctor Strange, too. While you and I are, are Hawkeye fans proper. Source. Are we? But are you a fan of the Jeremy Jeremy Renner uh, Hawkeye? Yeah, and that's the thing. I am. I am absolutely one hundred percent on board with his version, mm. even though he's not. The, he's never been the Clint from the comics, precisely. Mm. I've liked this version. I like the close to the vestness of the character. I like the change of giving him a family. Um, again, is it my druthers? Is it what I would have done? No, it's not what mm. I would have done. But they've used it, and what they've worked with well. This series and in it as a whole is a testament to how well they have um, crafted this version of Clint Barton and what could be done with him in the future. Because um, I just don't get the... Again, it's a constant misunderstanding of the character, and therefore it's like... Every, every day on YouTube, there's always a guy yeah, someone, like that's saying some, someone who... Hawkeye sucks, yeah. Hawkeye sucks, right? Uh, that from like... Hey man, do you see what uh, Lars Anderson, the 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 famous trick uh, tr- right, yeah. trick 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 archery guy, what he's been saying about, and he's watching like you know yeah, yeah, Hawkeye yeah, yeah, scenes. Yeah. I'm like, come on. Okay, yeah, all right. I yeah, really don't a, appreciate that. Um, but that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> um, but the show is a good testament to um, not only how good Renner has been in the part and how good that character is, mm. but how central he actually has become, and over the course of a handful of like these appearances in the MCU and yet they're really super important. This show not only was able to very much like a comic book when you and I were growing up in the eighties, this show is about continuity. 
continuity is leaking out all over the place wow. on this show. You've got the ideas of uh, we tackle Clint at, during his five-year period as Ronan. We tackle his wife's history. We tackle how the Avengers forming in their universe affected people like Kate. The return we, of Wilson Fisk. We got we got we got Wilson Fisk, you know, being involved there, and we Vanessa, and, and you know, as it tied into, um, it ties. Endgame and Black Widow mm-hmm. yeah, to yeah, yeah, this yeah. show and ties the Daredevil Netflix series to the, you know, like, so it's very much, it felt very comic booky to me while also really taking it, advantage of what's been set up because the show starts off, if we're going to start off, you know, sort of, the show starts off with Clint Barton, semi-retired for Avenger in the city and it's for Christmas. Making up, making up for lost times. Literally his, making up for lost kids. times. Yeah. And he sees the Captain America Rogers, Ro- Rogers the, the musical. musical. And he is suffering PTSD. Mm-hmm. They make it very clear this is a guy who both mentally and physically has had the toll taken on him by being an Avenger. He can't hear. He knows that that's going to go. Mm-hmm. So he's learning American Sign Language. Um he the reminders scene, of of, of he, the he, death of Natasha and yeah, what I was that's bring happened that up. To, and that's to, that that's that's the uh, Renner's performance on on the the post traumatic stuff with that you know where he sees in the musical uh, the, that that version of Black Widow and the flashbacks of the when they were on uh, what's the name of that that <laughs> planet that they're on where where Natasha dies. Um, Vermiform, never delir or whatever. Never, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, he is. It's this version of Clint and what he's gone through, and he's balancing out that he is a family man with his traumas, Mm -hmm. with his guilt. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a stew for an MCU style quippy quippy type of character. You know what I mean? He he's he's his wit is very dry, um, but they deal with it realistically. They deal with it with a lot of good texture, and Renner is selling the hell out of it as this guy who's you commiserate with on not only I think a guy like you and I, our age, where you know our bodies are breaking down, mm-hmm. and we can look at him and go like, yeah, yeah, we all we all like to think that we're still Spider Man, that we can just be spry and run all over the place. Well, and they inter- nope, <laughs> and they they they. In, they inject the hell out of this, you know, this new character, Kate Bishop, who you and I know as a new Avenger, but younger for the millennials Avengers. types, for 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 the for the younger audiences, um, uh, uh, Haley Seinfeld, Haley Seinfeld, Steinfeld, Steinfeld, right? Steinfeld, yeah. Um, where it's from her, from her, from her uh, point of view, it's hero worship he's the most inspirational thing that you know, she's ever seen in i her mean life. they set up the this they, they set up the the storyline where you know where she where was she when the attack of new york happened you know when aliens are falling from and the if sky you remember the big scene of hawkeyes where he's on top of the building and he's like he has to do that jump and you know fall back into it via a line she's she sees that right across the her family's house um the building is right there it gets wrecked by the chitari and her father is killed during that attack 
and she sees Hawkeye up on this building doing this amazing stuff, and it's this thing because he is just a regular guy once all the news of who the Avengers are comes and out. And she's so inspired she's that... Yeah. Oh, yeah, and she is so inspired that you know she's she dedicated her life to perfecting um, her uh, her, archery her, her, and martial her arts, her body skill. and mind, and you know, and it falls into the same thing of of which is similar to Hawkeye from the comics, mm-hmm, yeah, which is that it's not tragic backstory. It, yes, it is to a degree here in this version we're seeing her her father, but it is basically you made a choice to be a superhero. So wait, we can just do that. <laughs> like, like that is her. It was like, wait, you're, you weren't bitten by a radioactive spider. You weren't bombarded by, you know, cosmic rays. You weren't given, um, some, some magical weapon. You're just a dude. Awesome. And that is her whole sort of like reason for being. And just a man with gold, with diamond tip arrows. Exactly. Now. Okay. Now what, what's funny. <laughs> now yeah, exactly. Now what's funny about it is that they get into the idea in the show again of Clint Barton as a character. He is co-leading with her. This and is a redemption story about all the blood diamonds I've taken. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, he does because she, she is all in on the hero worship, John. Right. And he tells her, like, given this version of Hawkeye's background, he's like, I'm an assassin. I'm a weapon. Um, and I spend a lot. When it comes down to it, I hurt people. That's all I do. And it just so happened that I lucked out being a weapon that was aimed by the right people against the right people. But it could have gone another way. You know what I mean? And he, his life once the snap happens this is int- this is intimately tied into this 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 series and his character he go he's like and when i decided to go off i hurt a lot of people right. i killed and he has to live with that and you know the effects of it and they tie that in they tie into the the fact that they bring in um did you see the black widow movie john yes they bring in the sister they bring in they bring in the younger sister who is brought into because she is sort of aimed at Clint being told she has her own issues with the death of her sister. And then they make a connection between her and Kate Bishop. Now, Kate in the show, you know, just to get off of Clint for a bit. Kate's a great character, just how Steinfeld performs her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily the whole stuff about her background with the mother and stuff. That's good grist for the mill. There's fun stuff with her you know, uh, Jack Duquesne, her would-be stepfather and all the rest of that stuff. But Kate is a audience surrogate. She is the, if you could be here and you were as capable as one of the Avengers, you want to hang you want to hang with them, you'd idolize them, you want to do and be at their adventures and be as important as they are in the world. And that's what she's, and it's not saying it's one note or that it's bad. It's just that, like, is there that much more to the character in this? Not really. But that's fine. She's she's fun. She's funny. She's lovable. And the chemistry between her and Renner absolutely works where she is the enthusiastic newbie and he is the veteran who likes her, respects her, but is kind of like Do you remember the uh, old do you, do you remember the old uh, um Kibble and Bits commercial where you have the <laughs> where, where, where you have the we have the 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 big dog and he's walking and then you got the little little terrier that's just jumping up and uh, like uh, over and backwards. Kibble, 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 k
And then as a progressive, in only six episodes, what happens to her character is she has this very deep arc from, hey, I, I you know, like, I got to make up for the fact that my father died um, and uh, I need to protect this family now, right? You know, I'm going to do whatever I can to protect my family, uh, to protect my mother, played by Vera Farmiga, who at this point is, um, I think, being famous for playing evil moms. Bad moms, Bad yeah. moms, right? You know? Um, There's no switcheroo. When Vera gets cast, you're going like, <laughs> oh, yeah, she's, uh, yeah, yeah, gonna yeah, she's mom. a bit. Mom's going to be and the so, yeah. And so um, she goes through this arc of, I've done all I can, and uh, I have to, I have to turn my mom in, right? That's pretty much what you get from the very. Uh, uh, well, to, she makes the that heroic episode. thing of like, is this what heroes do? And it's like, yeah, yeah you know, we do what's right, and and that makes for very good storytelling. But, but she's also the idea is also, I think, of he has to take the her suppositions about what this world is and this life is, mm-hmm. and he is like he's laying it out. He's like. Oh, you, this is Logan from the Logan movie with the kids with the comic books. He's basically like, you think it's this, what you're seeing. And you're, and you're like, again, her approach is like, it's about your branding. It's about this. And he's like, to do what I got to do to be at my level, I had to be a master assassin killer for years. And that's not a joke. Mm -hmm. It is like, it's life or death. You know, all this is all very, very dangerous. And he doesn't think that she appreciates what all of that. Um, means and entails for her and her life and, you know, going on and, and, and forth. And it that and it's all wrapped around this story because that's the other part. We're talking about a lot of like, yeah, there's some fun stuff with Kate, but we're talking about a lot of heavy stuff with, 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 with Clint and then Natasha and all the rest of that stuff. The w- but ultimately, yeah, ultimately, even with adding in Echo and adding in Wilson Fisk and all that stuff, this is a very good light frothy show yeah yeah well, it, it's fun <laughs> it's exciting it has good dialogue it has good character interactions it's never it's heavy where it needs to be for where the characters are should be but not so it's not dark in the way that say the netflix like, again Punisher because it is very Daredevil inspired shows. by the mad fraction run and the mad fraction run you have clint um who has been framed right um and and so now that's the caper is like you know why is he being framed um he's got these women in his life he's got kate he's dating jessica drew spider woman he's got the office wife natasha who's who's alive in the comic books right he's got his ex-wife bobby morse right yeah. by the way which they've established uh from the show that linda um, carnelli linda carnelli part. is mockingbird well, she's Agent 19. Which is Mockingbird. Mockingbird. Yes. But, <laughs> um, and that's the thing. Like, the other part about the show um, being light and frothy and fun, but emotional, mm. the character stuff, is, again, all that other spinoff stuff that you can go on. So it's like, what's... I said, one of the biggest the biggest tangling thread from that show, where you have to get a season two, I, I think, is that whole thought. Because it's like... Oh, the inciting incident of the show was someone was looking for that watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wilson was looking for that watch, which could somehow connect Clint's wife to S.H.I.E.L.D. or something. And we never got the reasons or the why no. for behind that. So you got, um, so we've got stuff like that. We've got it tied into the Black Widow movie and tied into whatever is going on with Yelena. We've got it tied into where are we going forward with both a, we know we're getting a spinoff show with Echo. 
Um, but, now, how do you feel uh, about that? Because I think I'm, I'm I'm hearing, especially from the the, the illustrious uh, John Campia, who had a lot to say about the early episodes about of of Hawkeye, but also with Echo. Um, so you're saying, what do you, what do you, how do you feel? Like, about yeah, like um, I think that's because it was just it's marketing synergy. It's like you know we got to just inject this character in because honestly I, there wasn't really much going on with I, I i you know what i am i, I i'm going to disagree i actually i actually very much liked um uh Alakwa cox as echo i like the setup for what is obviously what a show about her would be um given I mean, like, I don't want to say that I'm, like, I don't know if I have the, um, I don't think most of the audience has the breadth of experience mm. having a show or a movie starring someone who um, well, speaks, I, I, a, wait, wait, who right, speaks yeah. ASL. Okay. Uh, and then as, and so it's like, I don't know if I can judge her acting on that level, okay. let's be honest. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. I thought she was a compelling and interesting character. Um I think the performance it, it's was there. One note in the sense that the character is about one thing. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. naturally so. So I don't have a problem. I think it, they could do something really, really mm. interesting in a spinoff. Getting into her relationship with Wilson Fisk, getting into being raised, you know, by a criminal dad, and all the rest of that stuff. And then where does she fit in now? If she goes off as a heroic character, and, and that is form. interesting because from the comic books, um, Echo. Uh, who who did sport the uh, the, the the Ronin uh, outfit, outfit yes. in in New Avengers? I mean, there were a lot of things that were just like crossbreeding her connection with Daredevil, Wilson Fisk's Showing connection up, yeah. w- uh, with Daredevil. Um, you know, and I and I understand that uh, you know Disney's got to pump out shows and they got to find find right. reasons so, so to like, do that. Like we've got we've got that as a possible connection there to to a, a definite thing that's happening mm-hmm. in the future. We don't. Um, we don't know if we're going to get another Daredevil show. Um, and that's all the, I'm hearing at this point. It's, there's, it's the, like, there's the weirdness of how the ending of this series has a giant, you know, blockbuster fight in Rockefeller Center that also we know that the ending of the Spider-Man yeah, movie yeah. has spiders swinging through Rockefeller Center. And that's and that, there it is again. It's like Disney's got to figure about, out right. how to synergize, synergize everything. everything they right, talk, you know? Yelena Belova in this movie comes to New York and name drops and says, oh, I want to see the big retrofit they're doing on the Statue and, of Liberty. And the showrunners that be about, Kevin Feige. shows in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And the showrunners that be Kevin Feige included are going, hey, we need to find a way to put someone as larger than life as Wilson Fisk um, uh, who belongs in the MCU. Right. Yeah. We need to figure out a way how to put him in. Well, the, here you go. This is your perfect entry for Wilson Fist to, to, to get to, to get in into the MCU. And get and now he's in it. Oh. And he's in Spider-Man. And he's going to... So and now we can find a way... Right. So exactly. You know, all of them are coming together. Yeah, yeah you know. Um, again, I, I think Maya Lopez is... Um, I think she had a great performance in this. The tracksuit mafia, yeah, which I kind of, I, I, it's silly, but I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> you know, in the in the Matt Fraction run, they are pretty much literally like just ripped off the page. I well, the, the you know the thing about the tracksuits that I would like to point out is this: <laughs> is that some people are like they don't like them, and I go like, oh, they're not fearsome, they're not this, and I go, they are as fearsome as any <laughs> nameless mooks from any. 
franchise you want to talk about. They're the foot soldiers. They're the cannon father gets thrown at the good guys. And they All are right, okay, so, but but so the, much limitless cannon fodder. Well, but but that's the thing. <laughs> the thing about the tracksuit, the, the thing about the tracksuit mafia is that yeah, they are on that level just like any other stormtrooper red yes. shirt types. <laughs> but at least on top of getting that, they're entertaining. You can get a lot of fun stuff out of right, them, yeah, you know, yeah. and then make them and then make them scary just because there's so many of them. Like that it's the it's the amount of them that makes them hey, you know, dangerous. The scene where Clint is just he's in shackles, he's tied up, and they're and just like Listen, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what us all the information from one, bro. Look, I'm just And you to talk know to you. that the moment that, that Clint is, even though he's bound up, you know that these guys. They're, he's they, more in control they, of the situation. They just yeah. got their asses kicked. They just don't know it yet. You exactly. Know? And exactly. there's just some. That's why we. That's why I love Clint. Uh, not just this version, but. Can, I, just, can I just say, all right, this. I, I got to get this before we finish because I don't want this to, to not say this before I finish the, the review. So one of the other parts of this show that is is also is the fan service aspects of it, of giving us a Clint who is, he's bullseye, right? Oh, well, you know, I can, <laughs> is there anything interesting you can do? Oh, I can throw this from across the room, probably knock a guy out. Right? <laughs> All right. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. We get the Tim Arrow, yeah, right? Yeah, with that, yeah, that yeah. amazing right, sequence right, with right. that. On the that, bridge. That, that um, 360 camera from the yeah. back seat shot i loved Can all I that say, stuff was this great. is how unglamorous the elements are it's not the brooklyn bridge it's the manhattan bridge <laughs> okay the cruddy <laughs> shitty looking manhattan bridge and they managed to make a great a cool, scene a that. cool action sequence now i'm just gonna throw this out here for season two this has to be said before season two he's got the pim arrow do you remember that one of clint's other identities in the comics was he was goliath right yes <laughs> which makes no sense no no, to no me, but, but <laughs> yes season two <laughs> has to have him and him Kate Gli- doing going giant man <laughs> it has to there has to be some series like how do we get out of this and and he's like uh look at the quiver so what do we got left uh we got an acid arrow we're getting oh there's only the, one thing for you to do we clint pin, we got the pin arrow here <laughs> you gotta go goliath <laughs> and, yeah i mean i have to, i would love to see that as because it it points into the sort of similarities i like about clint barton and another favorite character of mine which is rick jones which is they're the they're two every guys that have been exposed to everything they've been around everything and like you know one of my favorite all-time Rick Jones moments in the comic books is Rick Jones has been captured by scrolls that are trying to break him mentally. They're using their shape-shifting powers to, like, confront him with his past, whatever, whatever, right? And so, like, you think he's breaking, and then he fakes it, and he beats up the scrolls, and then he disguises himself as the scrolls, who's disguised as him, <laughs> and he's on a spaceship. The spaceship explodes. Uh, Bruce Banner is all broken up about it. And he's all like, oh my God, my friend Rick is dead. He tried. And then Rick falls down from out of the sky in a parachute. (laughs) And they're like, my God, Rick, how? How did you survive? And Rick goes, oh, well, you know, I just, I use that miniature parachute I always have with me. (laughs) What? Yeah, I always carry a miniature parachute with me. (laughs) Why? Well, you never know when you're going to have to jump out of an exploding scroll spaceship. But that's absurd. Why? I had to, didn't I? And that's Clint to me. He's an everyman who's surrounded by all this weirdness who's part and parcel of that weirdness, 
it's again it is just kind of like you wouldn't think it's like yeah clint Arrow, he's, the, he's 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 the hawkeye guy with the arrows yeah. and it's like it's like no he'll he'll douse himself with pin particles when he has to because hey that's what a hero's got to do now here's the thing um the kind of the silliness aspects of of the show is there granted that they don't have like so it's just a mentor to a mentor to mentee relationship and then they've they've got a larping team like like background team to help out uh i don't know if it bugs you but i'm like i what you know the larping stuff um it's it's cute it it falls into that in the same way because you know a lot some of those characters were converted from the comics like grills from the book is grills here but he's different yeah he's very different i think that the larping part was hey hawkeye hawkeye you're right hawkeye okay I think that the, the LARPing and Jack Duquesne, a.k.a. the swordsman, who... who yeah, let's... Can we talk okay, about... Right, 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 right. I think that, that. that was part and parcel of just making a cool, fun, like, supporting cast for Hawkeye to mirror the books. Um, okay, Jack Duquesne, in the show, uh, Kate Bishop has a, a new stepfather, or would soon be, because he's the fiancé, they're not married yet, to his mother, Jack Duquesne, uh, played by... Who's the actor again? Um... Uh, uh, and a, 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 he's he's an actor who's well who's known for playing a lot of duplicitous sort of like slimy characters. Tony Dalton, to, right? And Tony Dalton, as a friend of mine on on Superhero Hype, said, uh, uh, "Shout out to a perfect cell." He said, "Tony Dalton's the kind of guy that's that that like if he told if it was raining and he told you it was raining, you'd have to check. <laughs> like he's that kind of like he plays those kind of characters." So it's almost a given when he shows up. You're like, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy. Everything points to him. He's the guy. He's the guy. And it was so obvious. It was kind of like, he can't be the guy because it's too obvious. And it tur- in the end, he's kind of like, you're like, is this guy just kind of like, is he pretending to be a himbo? Is he, is he just a, is he a weirdo or is he putting up a front? And it's like. No, he kind of just is kind of a weirdo, now, and he has his big moment of fighting with the swords at the end because the character is based on the swordsman, the swordsman who was a sometime Avenger, uh, sometime From mentor. The Silver Age, the Silver yeah, Age. He yeah, he was a yeah. dude who uh, grew up with Hawkeye, yeah. uh, mentored Hawkeye in the uh, and it in, wasn't in Jack; circus. it was the father Ar- Armand who is the swordsman, right? They 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 do a lot. No, of no, no, Jack Duke, no, Jack Duquesne. Jack Duquesne Duke is is. And that's the thing. So there was kind of like, oh, he's playing a character who's a villain. I guess we're going to see him and go out. But instead, they give him it, a was sword. A, it was it's a total complete. red herring. And it, I like it because it goes again with the LARPers and Pizza the Lucky Dog and Yelena. It's this, they gave, this show already has this nice supporting cast around that you can bring in for other things. I doubt we've seen the last of Jack. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I mean, it, I think we will see. Well, hey, I mean, while, yes, you can destroy the, uh, the Ronin outfit, that sword is still out there. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, which, by the way, we see thing, We see that that sword it has that Star Trek technology of, you know, being able to retract. You know, and, yeah. yeah, that's sort of the, that part of that, <laughs> that, that thing that's always irked me in the MCU where there's, like, all this technology that is, like, like, Oh, do you think that whatever nanotech or whatever is only good for that? If that existed, it would revolutionize everything. everything. <laughs> okay, but instead, it's just like uh, we just we just need it for the superheroes of this world. Uh, uh, I liked I, what? Uh, uh, let's get into uh, Wilson Fisk. Yeah. So late into the show has was strongly rumored for a long time 
was that Wilson Fisk was going to show up played by D'Onofrio. Thus, you know, the one-two punch of Charlie Cox showing up in uh, No Way Home and D'Onofrio showing up of the one-two punch of we have canonized Netflix Daredevil. In, at, at minimum, we've canonized that show and those characters. <clears throat> um, I don't know how much that canonizes Punisher or Defenders or any of the rest, but definitely those two oh. characters are there. <laughs> And um, this was their sort of way of laying down the gauntlet of saying, okay, Charlie, Co- Daredevil and Kingpin are here. They weren't blipped. This is, you know, this is like, they weren't blipped. He's for- ruined, but he had to rebuild. He had five years to rebuild his empire. Right. With the tracksuit mafia. So the tracksuit mafia. Yeah. He's, right. he's sporting a, uh, a Hawaiian shirt. A Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. Vanessa got me this Hawaiian Probably, shirt. Probably, yeah. That's like, <laughs> and like, it's like, boss, why are you wearing the shirt? My wife. My wife. <laughs> yeah. She sees it if it's not. If now, I don't here, have it on. Here's the thing. If they ass- task. Let, 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 here, here's some room to just play around. In five years' time... Everyone blips. Uh, that means that uh, things that were sort of due process, um, those who are thrown in jail, last we heard, Wilson Fisk was thro- thrown yeah, into jail. Yeah, the intimation is kind of like the chaos like, of the blip yeah. allowed him to uh, get out of We prison. have to hasten your parole, Mr. W- Mr. Fisk. I mean- So we're going to let you go. <laughs> who's to, I mean, who's to say he doesn't like, he didn't just like uh, disappear and then claim, like you could disappear and claim you were dead. You know, there's a lot that of means that. That means Matt Murdock had five years to to vent, <laughs> to to just you know to just. Well, that that's actually what right? it is. The idea is that Kingpin was able to use the chaos to get himself back into the good graces of of the criminal world, and but don't worry, Matt Murdock as Daredevil and Matt Murdock as Crusading Lawyer have been on him like white on rice and they're in their dynamic of they're in a power, they're in a struggle against you're going to do what I tell you. Otherwise I'm going to expose your wife. <laughs> you want to dare. Right. Yeah. So it's been five years or whatever that going on. Who knows me? I, how do we know she's even alive? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it canonizes that. And you know, the way they used him was um, interesting because he's not really known as a Hawkeye enemy. Um, they sort of only have him there because they brought in echo and it's interesting in that D'Onofrio, it's still definitely, he's portraying him just like Wilson Fisk from the Daredevil mm-hmm. show. Yeah. However, as hardcore as Wilson Fisk was in the Daredevil show, I don't know. I, I have a feeling maybe he, he, he's, he's got some of that super soldier serum <laughs> here because like he's big and he's strong. He always was. He killed a guy with a car door in Daredevil. Here he rips a car door off. He's got some soldier serum. Well, he gets he gets shot directly with an arrow, and okay, he kind of just like does one of these. He breaks a bunch wait, wait, of them wait, wait. with his bare about hands. About that, about that. So he Fire takes powers. wait. He takes a full on car to the solid mass. Like Kate's mom drives a car to him, and it is violent. It's not like. Oh, a little bit. It's like boom. About that, by the way, and you he know, gets up. Kate Bishop's mom is in the car, and by the way, this is becoming sort of like a meme and a, yeah, a, a point of discussion for fanboys. Is like the last time someone drove a car, the last time I was in the car, I ripped a guy's head off with this. Uh, You're lucky that this is all that <laughs> happened to you. 
And so he's a little larger than life to yeah. a degree. I don't know if there's an explanation for that. Like I said, when he got shot with the arrow, I was kind of like, I hope he's got a vest. I hope they show him having a vest because that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. I don't know where he's Luke Cage. Uh, yeah, there's a little, there's a little bit of that, but that's. Explain it maybe next season probably. If they did, and if they did that, that that's fine. And where they leave him, spoilers, Johns, whatever they did. Um, they leave the character. Um, well, first they introduced him as he was in the comics, which is in the comics, there's a character on the show, her name was Echo, John, and Echo has a whole thing where she can visually see any physical movement and she can recreate it, right? And mm-hmm. she's very, very skilled. And, like and it turns out, and like Taskmaster, who may be her father, as it turns out, she's one of these people that in the comics, Wilson Fisk sort of like fostered <clears throat> as to be his own, you know, his foot soldiers, to be these uniquely- I think it was episode- Three, where you have the the, the flashback uh, um, uh, to Echo as a little girl. Echoes as a little girl, and the father says, "Uncle's going to pick you up." And then you, you see this gigantic hand of a hand, a, a, like the tail end of a white of a white of a white jacket, and a hand that goes. Oh. <laughs> this so guy calls me up, and he's like. That's Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> <laughs> so they introduce him as sort of the same thing. He's he's her uncle. He sort of uh, fostered her and protected mm. her and I supported her. And he's been gaslighting. He's been manipulating her emotions to be like, you know, you, to be a, a loyal lieutenant of his. Mm. And she has these abilities. Now, she's not only deaf, but she also is an amputee. Hmm. She has uh, she has one leg, so she has got you know she's got a prosthetic leg, and as a character, like I said, enhanced mega leg though. No, but she does use it. She beats the crap out of people with her leg when she kicks you in the head. Like there's a whole scene where she kicks Clint and his hearing aid goes out on the other side. Um, And she's the strong character because she has this whole thing where she knows that Ronan killed her father. And that's what her whole vengeance is about. But then Clint turns it around and says, no, that was a setup. I, just like I said, I was aimed as weapon. Someone set up your dad. They made me kill. They wanted me to kill those people for a reason. And that's who you really should be going after. So I think that that's where we're going to leave her. Because the way the show ends with her is in the comics, she does turn against Wilson. She shoots him just as we see at the end of this series. And blinds him. And then there was a period of time where the kingpin was like Daredevil blind. And I think that's where they're going to go with that. I refuse to, you can't have an echo show Mm -hmm. without getting into Wilson Fisk. And you can't have an echo show at this point, in my opinion. Now, I kind of think you need to not only see Charlie Cox's Daredevil show up, I, I kind of think you he's need. Gonna have I, to, I think you need Hawkeye and Ronan too. Well, he, he's going to have to not only show up in that, but also in in, in the She Hulk um, series because she's a lawyer too. Um, but I, I just wanted to make a comment that um, the martial arts that's in the show, mm. the pacing of it, right? It works like Gangbusters, uh, unlike The Matrix, right? You know, here you have. They do some really fun scenes, um, choreography with Kate Bishop, with uh, with Florence Pugh, uh, with Echo. This, this, the, 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 the MMA stuff that they make yeah, this yeah. girl do. This deaf girl, this deaf actress, with who also is a real life amputee. She also is she, with the leg, and I'm like, wow, this is just and really she sells it very, very, very well. And most of the show sold you on uh there's a little bit of it being super ish 
in the sense of like, yeah. like not, it's not nitty gritty martial arts kind of action. Oh, it's, Kate it's, Bishop gives you the Jackie Chan stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Florence Pugh, she's a black widow. You know, uh, Maya Lopez, that, she yeah, gives we, you the, we, we, the, we, the they give you, stuff. And then you add in the CG stuff, the trick arrows. Yeah, yeah. Um, the show was very good at its action sequences and making them fun. This was everything I like. <clears throat> this is everything I like about the MCU and even stuff I don't like, but the aspects that I usually rub me the wrong way mm. worked here. Worked very, very, very strongly. And ultimately, at the end of it all, it is just this fun romp with these two characters who, like I said, we got to get a season two. You have to get a season two because he's not training her. They really only have one kind of like heart-to-heart one-night moment where she comes over to celebrate Christmas Mm -hmm. because it's all about let's get Clint home for Christmas on time. And he does, but he brings her with him, giving the idea like, yeah. It was. We it de facto was, know where this is going. He, she's his intern, what have you. Um, and that's function in that uh, when it was marketed, I think people had called it like it's a Home Alone MC, uh, MCU scenario. Uh, or or a trains, planes, and automobiles, that sort of thing. Yeah, I you think know, it's right? clo- it's a little closer <laughs> to that. It's it's he's yes, he's without a doubt. Um, oh, Clint is Clint is the Steve Martin character, and strangely <laughs> enough, Haley Steinfeld Lin- is the candy. I mean, we, I think twice we heard Linda Cardellini like on the phone go, "You're not coming back home for Christmas." Right, right, the right, kids right. are like, "You're not coming back home for Christmas." I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna jingle all the way. And and it sort of and it ends with the obvious like this is only a week this is like a week of yeah, time yeah. Uh, so there's no there it. hasn't been that so this is like another 24 is what you're saying it's a very well it's a very, it's a very short period of time it's compressed and my, my, my point is this is that because it's compressed and all the rest it's not that kate bishop is up to date on to be as good as hawkeye yet no there needs to be training there needs to be a mentorship so you need well, back that on season the, back two. on the, the Barton farm, you know, right? Exactly, right. <laughs> and that's where we leave it. We leave it with the idea, obviously, that he's integrated her into his family mm-hmm. on some level, and he is all right. You know, I'm going to put you through your paces, and at some point, he's going to, um, I guess, premiere her to the superhero community as his replacement, as the person who's going. To, which is, you know, the the and only he decided all this in one week. The only issue I have, and it's like the somehow the showrunner, um, so you know, they produced a whole entire musical just for the show, <laughs> a number, yes. a full on number, and it is is very realized. And it's very, you got your Steve Rogers, and you have, and then you have like a, a, a Scott Lang where Clint goes, he wasn't even there, like at the Battle of New York. It's, you know? it's, it's, it's the sort of a version of a Hollywood, uh, not Hollywood, I'm sorry, a uh, Broadway musical, right? Where, where, um, where, well, well, where, um, not actually, it's the opposite of the Spider-Man into the dark, whatever thing that we always joking about in that, that was a, a, a Broadway musical that was doing a superhero thing that tried very, very hard to like, we want Spider-Man to swing around in the costume. This is more like the producers of this in-universe musical was kind of like, we want to minimalist this. So we won't actually have <laughs> Tony Stark on stage in an armor singing as Iron Man. But he'll have like a, a dressed down costume that kind of oh looks God. like the armor. But it was so much thought put into the minutiae of it, right? Down to the music. And I can remember, it's like where Steve Rogers goes, I can do this all day, you know? And I'm like, wow, this is, 
too much. And then you end the show with that. That was their post credits. That was their post credit, and I'm like, really? A lot of really? fans had a problem with that. <laughs> I think you know what I think was the problem. Here's the problem with that. Ending it like that was more than fine, but it was missing one element. What's that? When they showed us that musical number again, when it ended, we need to, the camera needs to pan into the audience <laughs> and you need to have at least two or three big name Marvel <laughs> actors reacting to it. So you pan back to the audience and the, and it's like, I don't know, you get... Um, you get Sam Jackson like, <laughs> like this. You get, and of course, you get Paul Rudd, and he's there with his he's daughter, like, and he's like, like, "This is great. This is this is fantastic." Uh, hey, yeah, I like the fact that uh, I was there. You know, I wasn't but even I, there, but there. I, I mean, there. like, this is really good. I wasn't even there. Like, like yeah, that, like something like that would have would have made it a better bit rather than yeah, like I they know. did this because you know they did it, it that, that was with full sincerity that that, that they put yeah, that yeah, in yeah. you know overall though this was a lot of fun yeah. i if i have to compare it to all of the previous disney plus shows and just give you my general rankings you know i despised wandavision with the heart <laughs> with the burning heart of a thousand suns and the more you like it at home the more i hate it um Falcon and the Winter Soldier was incredibly uneven. Incredibly uneven, even though there was a lot of good aspects to it. Loki was really good, but it gets points shaved off because the truth is the way that show ended, that first season ended, they didn't even finish their story. So Loki was really good, but not ultimately satisfying because it's kind of like, uh, I don't even, you didn't end the story. You got no closure. This is the total package. Entertaining, fun, dr has its drama, has its character stuff, and you get not only a story that finishes itself off, but still has those dangling threads that are interesting enough that you want to see the story continue with these characters. I, I, I can't, yeah, as a, someone who's a fan of, of Hawkeye in general, loves these kind of comics, loves like what Fraction was doing with his Hawkeye book. Mm. This was a, this this knocked it out of the park. It was it was fun. It was funny. It was a it was a great time. Now, one of the things that we really didn't get into, I know we're closing up soon, is uh, the Linda Cardellini, um, and what where they want to go with her. Or again, it's just a speculation. I had a, I had a horrible thought that I told you. Yeah, I know. I was I was kind of like because I was gonna go and like one you know of what that's coming. I, up I was is like I was like I could go and like invasion. Oh, uh, Secret Invasion. And I was like going like, yeah, you know, they're going to break our hearts on this one. It was like, what? It was like, no, we're going to learn. This is what we're going to learn. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And we're going to learn that uh, none of the uh, none of the Barton kids are Clint's. <laughs> and I remember what I said to you. You were, Like you said, and I'm like, what's what's wrong about you, Miguel? What's wrong with why, you that you why, would think why, that? Why is your heart so dark? <laughs> why is your soul so And black? I was going to be like, it's going to be something where... Clint actually learns, you know... Well, that. no, I wasn't... I didn't want to Demory Povich it. I meant more along the lines of like, this, he falls in love with this woman who wants to get out of the game for whatever reason, and she already had these kids. And then he was like, okay, I'll, you know, we'll get married. I'll, you know, raise these kids as my own, blah, 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 blah. Um... I don't know because you know one of the things about Clint Barton's family. You've been watching too much GI oh, yeah. Joe <laughs> with shipwreck. The, the where shipwreck goes a, 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 a spring. The synthesoid episode. The synthesoid yes. episode. Yes, yes. Um, uh, I'm thinking more along the lines of like the fact that Clint's family is out there will always make them a target, 
And you got to remember this aspect of Clint having a family. That's from Ultimates. And what happened, and, and, and Ed, what happened to Clint's family is in Ultimates. <laughs> What happened to Clint's family in uh, Endgame? I mean, right, they've already been dead, I guess. I guess you can suppose we could, but like, there is that like, like, uh, okay, uh, okay. Overall, though, again, yeah. this show l- threaded a lot of needles for me as a comic book fan. I think it stuck the landing, and it's one of those. It's one of these Marvel uh, products that have dropped recently that just makes me excited to see what happens next. There, it, it, it it fulfilled even its corporate mandate of just being product to advertise other products. Well, I get a little nervous um, because it is a Disney Plus thing. And this is, you know, um, Jeremy Brenner is just one of those actors. He's he's not Chris Hemsworth. He's not Chris Evans. He was right. always I, – I felt that out of all the original Avengers, he was always – him along with, uh, with, with, with Scar Joe have always gotten the raw deal um, – uh, in terms of getting their own properties. I mean, and and this is, imagine being them and being told, hey, we're not going to give you your movie series because right. no one is going to go to the theaters to watch Hawkeye, Hawkeye the movie, or, right? Yeah, right? You and I would like be tickled pink to if, if, if we ever if got that. that. But yeah. that's, in reality, that's never going to happen. Right. Um, I get really nervous at this point. He's He has said, when he signed away this deal, uh, and he said that recently on uh, on on Armchair Expert. Am I going to be fifty years old and still be in tights? Like I was nervous signing <laughs> signing this deal because you sign away your life, a decade right, yeah. of your life, when you do this. And him doing sequels, I can't see uh, Renner wanting to do a third season of this. I would very much love it if he continues to to operate uh, as Clint Barton, but I don't know. I actually, I really see, don't I actually know. do think that. This, what's this is was more interesting than just a movie. It was it allowed him to go much further with it. There's a lot of things in that show that you couldn't do in a movie. You know, you know. I mean, like just the simple fact that it's like we're gonna we're gonna take time two three minutes every episode to sort of remind everyone this guy is doing this, but he really just wants to be back with his family. So you get a scene. Like when he, the hearing aids no longer working and Kate has to be a interpreter uh, because his son has called him. He can't hear like this show showed that you could do things with Hawkeye uh, for a performer like, like Jeremy. And um, I hope that that it reignites him and the general audiences like want to see more of this character, want to see more of him and Kate together and that we don't forget about Hawkeye. Going forward, because let me tell you, Ed, when they finally do kill Jeremy Renner on screen as Hawkeye <laughs> and give that full in, in the next Avengers film, because like as a, a founding old old guard member, he will have tons of power, you know, emotionally on screen. So you do that scene. You do that scene where Florence Pugh has got to sacrifice <laughs> Jeremy Renner. Like, Clint, I don't dislike like my sister. It's okay. It's okay. Take care of my family. Now, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I assume that his Academy Award right there. Renner's agent would have to negotiate for a higher salary, right? Because you and I go, hey, you know what? Have him go to the West Coast and actually do a West Coast, West Coast Adventures series. <laughs> we would be there on white on rice. Yes. Right? Um, but again, Renner being the actor that he is, he's 
He's always he's like the ultimate background actor who will who deserves uh, uh, not for uh, the best supporting of anything. Yeah, you know. Um, I don't know if he wants to do stuff like he's he's always chasing for the really meaty. But see, that's roles. the thing. I think that he he's at an age now where he he can't be the franchise guy per se. He did try that. That's the key there. I when you say I don't know if he'd be interesting. There was a period where he was definitely chasing that. And if his, if his you know, uh, consolation prize is to do this instead, but it is, ext- is high-paying, steady work, mm. yeah, the and actor part of him will take, sad, he'll take that. He'll take it's that. It's a sad reality that the street-level superheroes, Daredevil, Hawkeye, even, but we don't, yeah, well, we don't know, know about that. It. That they're not able... I'm, I'm sorry, like that. I, I don't... Um, I think the studios are looking at No Way Home mm-hmm. and they're going, yeah, these Hawkeye, Daredevil, they belong in, they belong in Disney Plus, right? They belong in, in, in that, that court category of, 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 of superheroes. Um, Spider-Man, which is a weird exception, you know, he's kind of street level, but at the same time, he's able to, to go out to space it's, it's, the And the, vi- the villains are bigger. And the villains are bigger. Uh, you know, exactly. Um, I I hope not. I do hope that the, the, there's that, so many street level superheroes that we can that we, that we can seen. do more of that stuff. Um, we're that's another discussion I think of, yeah, of yeah. how yeah. movies and streaming are kind of getting into the same sort of area. Because while it is a shame that we, like I said we're, we won't get a big budget, we didn't get a big budget Hawkeye and Black Widow film yeah. teamed up together. No. We are Hello. getting right. right uh, we are getting, however, like you know, it is interesting to get a Moon Knight. You know, for an expanded series or Echo, like I said, or this, where it's like we're giving a lot more room to breathe because they're not as flashy characters. Mm. So you can't sort of you can't coast on just three or four cool set pieces with great CG and some jokes in between. You got to it's like, uh, we, you know, Hawkeye doesn't we don't have that ability to razzle dazzle. And that is our way of saying that <laughs> this is the end of To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. Thank you all for joining us. <laughs> wow. The cues are amazing, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, I think that was. That's a, that is a very good place for – that is God telling us uh, John has a – Jonathan being God. John, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that, no, that's God's way of telling us Jonathan has places to be uh, after 12 o'clock. So uh, <laughs> it's time for us to wrap this up. Uh, like I said – Really, really enjoyed the show. Um, I hope we get more of it uh, uh, in the coming seasons. Uh, we have... Uh, I think we got stuff coming up. We got some stuff coming up because God knows there's a glut of everything under the sun that's about and to be I've been, I've been getting on this guy's ass about... Uh, about uh, hooking up with Boba Because I got to check out the book of Boba Fett. Um, but that, that's going to be a while before that until that even finishes. Right, because it's got like uh, it's already episode three. It's already episode three, so right. it's got like three or four more episodes, right? Yeah, so it's three, four yeah. more weeks, and I don't know if they'll uh, be like a couple of weeks. So, and yeah. that's just no reason to hook up your. That's no your, reason to hook up on my system. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I'm trying to think of anything else that's coming up, but you know, we as always will be servicing your fanboy needs. Thank you all for servicing uh, your fanboy needs. Servicing your fanboy needs. Mm, yes. Let's just put. There's a lot of. <laughs> there's a lot of. There's a lot of. Uh, Cosplay with decolletage. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Maybe we can get into this, but there's a there's a Hulu show with Steve Martin, and he goes by the name Brozers. 
Oh, the Steve Martin. Really? Yeah. And every time he says his name, I'm you think Brazzers? Brazzers. <laughs> yes, this the swordsman quite delicious in this show. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> to be continued. Yeah. So, uh, uh, thank you all as always. Uh, thank you for Jonathan Vergar for uh, the use of Pancake Studios, and we will see you around the interwebs. Thank you very much for joining us. Do 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 do. Hey, thanks for listening to To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. Please check us out at www.tobecontinuedafanboypodcast.com. You can also be found on Twitter, Facebook, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify.